1: my successor, whoever he or she may be. Number one, stay close to the Americans, stick up for the Ukrainians, stick up for freedom. I helped get this country through an incredibly difficult period over the last couple of years. I made sure that we supported those who needed our
2: help at every step.
3: What I believe is that lowering taxes, opening up opportunities is going to help us deliver the economic growth that Britain needs.
2: Hello, you're listening to Bloomberg UK Politics, your daily guide to the corridors of power. I'm Caroline Hepker. And
4: I'm Lizzie Burden. Coming up on today's programme, Nadeem Zahawi speaks to Bloomberg. The Chancellor says he's working on proposals to soften the blow of rising energy costs so that the incoming Prime Minister can, quote, hit the ground running. That interview later.
2: And anything can happen, even trust being a decent leader. If politics has taught us anything in the last few years, it's that it's full of surprises. Bloomberg opinion columnist Therese Raphael will be joining us to discuss her column about whether the Foreign Secretary can top
4: expectations. And the energy crisis is coming for your local. Emma McClarkin, boss of British Beer and Pub Association, says the energy crisis could do irreversible damage. We could see more business failure and pubs close their doors for good
2: now than at any time in the last three years. And this is something that is going to make us all
4: poorer. Well, Caroline, when was the last time you stepped in your local?
2: I can't say I go very often, although the Sir Robert Peel's up the road. It's got beautiful glass windows. The rest of the pubs around me, frankly, have been turned into blocks of flats. This is, um, you know, a story about which I was rather sceptical, I must say, this morning when I read it, because pubs have been in such a terrible decline for so many years. But I do really feel for pub owners, given the energy crisis. Yeah,
4: they're like the Great British phone box. Uh, They've been on the decline for a very long time. Sad, though, they're an institution, a cultural institution in British public life. Yep, absolutely. Well,
2: uh, let's step away from that, shall we, and bring in our guest for this uh, programme, Wendy Chamberlain, Liberal Democrat MP for North East Fife, and the party's chief whip joins us this morning. Wendy, welcome to Bloomberg Radio. Thank you so much for being with us. Um, So, as the uh, hustings and the Tory electioneering wraps up, you've said that Liz Truss is running scared after she pulled out of a BBC News interview today. I suppose my question to you is, why would she do it when she looks to be a shoo-in to replace Boris Johnson as PM?
3: Well I think one of the things I would say is that uh, what we have seen over the summer whilst the zombie government has continued is uh, two leadership candidates who, Tory leadership candidates who have been completely focused on their very narrow electorate and not on the wider public and the issues that they are facing so tonight's programme is called Our Next Prime Minister and I think this was a real opportunity for Liz Trust because that's widely who is expected to win the contest to present herself to the British public and tell them some of the things that they need to hear about the support the government is going to give with the cost of living and the energy crisis amongst other things.
4: I mean, she's got to appeal to that narrow electorate now. Maybe she'll do it when she's appealing to the general public at a general election. I wonder uh, whether there's reason in that. But we've had this long interview as well with the Chancellor Nadeem Zahawi. Still no idea what an energy support package will be. I mean, when you're walking around North East Fife, what do your constituents say that they need?
3: Well, it's been very clear to me, uh, being about in the constituency over the last couple of weeks, that the energy price cap rises for domestic users is causing a uh, real concern. My constituency is is, is rural with them, um, you know, some towns such as Cooper and St Andrews. But, uh, you know, for some of my constituents, the energy price cap doesn't exist because they're using oil uh, for example, for their heating, which doesn't have a price cap and they're seeing real increases. But you mentioned pubs just before I came on and small businesses There are real, real concerns. I've spoken to a number of cafes um, locally and farmers in my constituency as well who have just experienced a period of water shortages. But the challenge for businesses is there is no energy price cap and not only are they facing frankly, eye-watering increases in costs um, for energy. But they're also experiencing in other parts of the supply chain too. So butter is one that has just rocketed in price. So those supply chain challenges, at every step of the way, those companies are potentially either having to absorb costs or yeah. pass them on to consumers.
2: Yeah, although well, how he was pointing out particularly that small businesses uh, needed help and that, that um, you know, at least he was aware of that. Um, I also want to broaden things out, though. Um, I noticed a piece by your former leader, Vince Cable, uh, talking about um, Labour and the Lib Dems being silent over Brexit and how that is going to cost the country, You're sort of asking where the remainer political parties are on this. I mean, there was also um, quite a lot of reaction to Liz Truss when she was... Um, dubious as to whether france and emmanuel macron were friend or foe but but on the brexit issue the lib dems have gone quiet
3: I wouldn't say we've gone quiet. I think what I would say is, you know, our current policy is a long term policy to rejoin the EU. And what we actually need to focus on now is ensuring that we have the best relationship we have with the EU, given that we have left to ensure that uh, consumers, businesses and others aren't uh, impacted by that. And frankly, the comments of Liz Truss suggest I want to say naivety, but I, I think I feel a real bluntness and and sort of devil-may-care attitude to relationships with our nearest eh, neighbours on the continent, which is particularly shocking at a time where one of the reasons for the challenges that people are facing around energy, for example, is a result of the sanctions against Russia in relation to the war in Ukraine. And last week in my constituency, I visited a group of Ukrainians at their weekly English lessons. They're all working in the local community, they're supporting in the hospitality, where we've experienced some real labour shortages agriculture care but they all want to return home and six months on from the war and the the prospects of that it still seems slim
4: and you've written to the cabinet secretary over whether Liz Truss inappropriately used a grace and favour mansion for a conservative leadership contest meeting is that in any way important
3: Well, I think one of the things that the reason why we're facing a Conservative leadership contest is because Boris Johnson was finally brought down by the real sort of uprising or increase in what we suggest is a lack of standards and, and sleaze and the final straw was obviously the fact that he had not been truthful in relation to uh, the Chris Pinscher situation and knowledge of it so I think those standards are important and when we are facing the real challenges that people are facing they want to be able to trust politicians that they will do the right thing and so when you hear things that suggest that um, we are going to see a continuation of those erosion of standards I think it's important
2: that we stand up okay so what sort of prime minister if it is Liz Truss and it's hotly tipped to be what sort of prime minister do you think Truss will make
3: Well, I have to say, as as a Scottish, an MP representing a Scottish constituency who believes that Scotland's future is best served within the UK, I do have concerns that uh, what we have seen from the Conservative Party generally, and we're seeing plenty of from Liz Truss, is pretty tone deaf uh, to the needs of Scotland and frankly plays into the hands of the SNP and Nicola Sturgeon. And I think I want to see a much more... Um, a, a much approach that really considers what the needs are of the nations and regions across the UK, and uh, we are not hearing that. The main thing for me is Liz Truss is talking lots and lots about tax cuts, mm-hmm. but forgetting those people for whom tax cuts don't benefit them at all. This is a party that uh, gave an increase in universal credit during uh, COVID, and then took yeah. it away. And those are the households that are already struggling with the energy crisis and other things that we're seeing.
2: Okay, on Scottish independence, this is all now um, in the courts. The Scottish Government wants judges to decide whether MSPs can legislate for that, you know, another Scottish independence referendum. I mean, why shouldn't Scotland have the power to decide its own future?
3: Scotland is part of the UK, and the reason why um, the Scottish government or the SNP have moved forward with this approach is because they know that there will not be a referendum in October of next year. It is widely expected that the Supreme Court will turn uh, down uh, that request, and indeed, the fact that they took the preemptive step of going to the Supreme Court says that they suggest. Likewise, I think it's really important to remember in 2014 is that everybody, regardless of their side in the independence r- debate, supported. The need and requirement for there to be a referendum. What we've seen in terms of the divisiveness that has been created, and, and dare I say, it, turbocharged by Brexit, is that is not where people are. And actually, again, when you look at what the public's priorities are currently and the crises that they're facing, an independence referendum is not the way to is not the way to, sol- to solve that. When you look at what the SNP are saying, everything will be solved by independence. And I think we know that the issues are much, much more complex than
4: that. Okay, so coming back to the cost of living crisis, this morning we've had fresh data showing that UK credit card borrowing rose at its strongest pace since 2005, suggesting that people are borrowing to pay their bills. We also saw mortgage interest costs jumping to the highest in six years. So there is this growing strain on household budgets, but of course, whoever's the next prime minister is likely to inherit a recession. That means tax revenues will be down. There isn't unlimited funds to uh, cut taxes, give support. Uh, to do everything what should the priorities be you know should is there going to be enough to build more houses for example I think what
3: we see when we look back to the financial crisis of 2008 and in the last, uh, over the last decade, is a real failure to uh, tackle the productivity challenges. The government has been very quick to sort of trumpet the low uh, unemployment figures that we've seen lately. And there's no doubt that in several sectors, the labour market is very tight, but really concerningly, uh, People who are economically inactive have increased over 20% of the working age population. And I think that is something that we need to tackle. We need to tackle it in a variety of ways. Uh, And, you know, one of the I hesitate to see uh, benefits of, of COVID because it was obviously so devastating, but we have changed our approaches and employers have changed approaches to how people work and access work, working from home, working more flexibly. And I think we need to be bold in terms of how we challenge uh, some of those uh, some of those things. I've got my carers leave bill coming to parliament next week for second reading, which will give for the first time carers the opportunity to um, uh, request uh, unpaid time off for of their employer for those caring caring requirements. Mm -hmm. And I think those are the kind of things we need to be giving people the flexibility in order to be able to manage their work-life balance and therefore then, I would argue, increase um, engagement with employers because they're seen to be supporting them. That's one of the ways that we can tackle uh, the productivity difficulties that we're seeing. That, for me, is how you grow the economy um, and therefore potentially offset some of the recession and, and the headwinds that we're seeing.
2: Okay, Wendy, thank you so much for your time this morning. Morning. Wendy Chamberlain, Liberal Democrat MP for Northeast 5, the party's chief whip there talking uh, to us about the cost of living crisis and what she thinks about potentially the next uh, Tory leader.
0: From Silicon Valley to Wall Street, the promise and perils of artificial intelligence are playing out on the world stage. But what will the next phase of AI adoption look like? In a moment we're going to
2: bring you uh, Bloomberg's interview with Nadeem Zahawi. He's actually in the United States uh, on a trip as Chancellor. He's only been Chancellor since July. Uh, not uh, entirely sure whether he will be Chancellor when the new Prime Minister um, comes into office. Uh, and also he's actually had quite a bit of criticism for being in the United States uh, You know, uh,
4: at this point when there are so many crises here at home. Although he has been telling oh, Caroline Hyde that he's got plans uh, to help people with their energy bills. It's not quite clear what those plans are and of course you say that it's unlikely he'll be the next chancellor mm. the, the guy tipped to take the job is Quasi Quarte who is part of the Greenwich set, as is Liz Truss, as is James Cleverley, as is David Frost Hang on, does that all mean that they live on the same street? I'm not sure if it's the same street. (laughs) From that too, who is going to be
2: leading all of those illustrious names then? Um, Is it going to be Liz Truss? Bloomberg opinion columnist Therese Raphael joins us now because you've taken Therese, I would say, the risky option in British journalism uh, today with this piece There has been a great deal of criticism about the foreign secretary and how she's going to step into if she you know she is hotly tipped to become the next prime minister how she steps into this role and you've actually taken the opposite side of that whether or not liz Truss could actually top our
5: expectations now tell us what is the evidence for that it, in late August, we have to bang on, uh, you know, we have to go against the conventional wisdom a little <laughs> bit. So it, it, it's hard to make a sort of optimistic case for a trust prime ministership. I, I think we just have to acknowledge that yeah. up front. Okay. You know, first we can look at the polls, they're abysmal. Like on current evidence, is going to be in power in two years. And someone else, you know, take your pick, is going to be the opposition leader, maybe Kemi Bidenock. Um, and that's before we even look at the challenges ahead from the cost of living to inflation to the NHS troubles, which I've recently written about Ukraine. And that's before we even consider that trust hasn't really impressed that much as a, as a minister. She was an unremarkable minister of education, environment, treasury. Um, she bigged up a lot of the rollover trade deals she did as trade secretary, uh, you know, foreign secretary, I think, you know, is, is maybe a little bit of a different bag, uh, but you know, I think the question is what are the chances that she could end up surprising us on the upside? Because mm. as you point out, the the expectations of her are extremely low. And this comes after Boris Johnson, you know, who was you know seen as a sort of savior of a Tory Brexiteers and you know ended up spectacularly imploding as prime minister. And I think You know what I write, and this is not holding any water for any of the policies. I'm very deeply skeptical of the policies she's she's sort of announced. She's been very vague on them. But I think, you know, history does tell us that we can't draw conclusions or fast conclusions from past records. There are politicians we've had great expectations of. I mean, Barack Obama comes to mind really, Um, and there are some. Who have been very strong ministers? Think of Theresa May as Britain's longest-serving Home Secretary, and then they sort of bomb an office. And you know, in her case, obviously the circumstances of Brexit were a big part of that, but there was also her 2017 campaign, her communication style. Um, there are others who look sort of mediocre and capable. They end up doing great things. So you know, someone mentioned to me Harold Macmillan, who looked you know bored and ready for retirement in 1957, and became supermac or. Uh, James Callaghan, we we totally underestimated Margaret Thatcher. Um, uh, Many of her colleagues did, or even Angela Merkel. So I guess my point is that, you know, we don't really know what she'll be like as a leader. All of the signs are that she has a massive mountain to climb and that she doesn't have any, you know, great sort of leadership qualities to bring to that challenge. But it's, you know, we've been surprised before. I mean, I do wonder
4: whether you're only asking if she's being underestimated because she's a woman, but to humour this idea, how could she surprise to the upside? At least Boris Johnson was able to delegate to ministers who are seen as competent. You know, we had Rishi Sunak, Michael Gove, Nadim Zahawi on vaccines. What is it in Liz Truss's CV that gives you hope to us?
5: Yeah, no, good question. I mean, I think we do tend to underestimate female leaders. I mean, mm. that 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 seems to be the case. We can even look at uh, Maloney in Italy, but. Um, You know, what could she do? So, you know, what is great leadership? It's this combination of it's a a psychological mindset. It's bold policy choices at the right time at a historical juncture. So she would need immediately to pick a very strong team. Uh, behind her, and that not necessarily a team that kind of appeases all sides of the party, but a team that is uh, behind a, a particular vision, and she'd need to come out of the uh, she need to come out of the gates in our, and really put flesh on the bones of that vision. I think you know. Do we have any signs that she's capable of that? She's run a pretty disciplined, tight campaign obviously, to a very small electorate of of Tory members. But I think she surprised a lot of people with, you know, the way how quickly she's come back from stumbles, uh, how tactically she's run that campaign. Uh, You know, maybe Rishi Sunak has underperformed so massively that she's, you know, she's sort of run away with it. Um, I think she'd have to come out with something, you know, quite impressive on cost of living pretty quickly. And, you know, her big bet right now is that the British state can afford to take on a lot more debt and spend the money to alleviate some of the the big pressures households are facing Mm -hmm, and at the mm -hmm. same time she could unleash the supply side changes that will drive innovation and economic growth so she needs to make both of those things come together both the short term relief and then the medium term sort of innovation and growth agenda that's deeply conservative and Thatcherite But but Therese you, you say that the hope is that she would
4: have principles I mean she's shown already that she's the ultimate weather vane she changes her spots however she needs to to please the voter you know, she's she was a Republican and a monarchist, a liberal Democrat, then a Tory, a Remainer, then a Brexiter. How on earth could you hope that she'd be principled as PM?
5: Yeah, I mean, she has changed her views. I guess she would say that her, you know, her, her liberal days were quite a long time ago. And you, one does change their mind in office and over time. Um, I, I suppose the real you know, the real test is going to be whether the principles she's set out on this campaign tour, which is a sort of, you know, small, smaller government that uh, spurs, you know, innovation through supply side changes, through deregulation, whether she can find the policies for this era. Those were Thatcherite policies that worked in a very different era when the British state had a much you know, kind of different place in society. Whether you know those same kind of principles that she now says are core to her, you know, political vision, can be adapted for the challenges of to, of, of today. I mean, it it is. Um, I think something that. A lot of her party will rally behind if she can articulate it. There are a lot of Tories that are deeply uncomfortable with the way the state has grown during the pandemic. Um, they want to see some benefits of Brexit, mm-hmm. and you know I've written many, many articles uh, saying that you know benefits in Brexit are an oxymoron. That it is, is just a cost. You can argue for brexit on a lot of grounds in terms of sovereignty or taking back control but in terms of you know people's day-to-day lives it, it at the moment comes out to be a net cost Therese, thank
2: you so much for being with us. Thank you for uh, your column. As ever,
5: getting us thinking
2: then about Liz Truss. Uh, Can she top our expectations as Thatcher did? Our Bloomberg opinion columnist, Therese Raphael. And now to that big interview.
4: So in an exclusive interview with Bloomberg's Caroline Hyde, Chancellor Nadeem Zahawi revealed that he'd been making plans for the incoming Prime Minister to, quote, hit the ground running.
1: At the moment, we have £37 billion that we've put uh, to work to help people uh, yes. everybody will get 400 pounds off their energy bill from october through yeah. to december so that effectively halves the increase that has come through through the energy price cap mm. but we know we need to do more because uh, by december january and then of course into next year those bills uh, will probably go up further so yeah. i'm preparing Options for the new incoming Prime Minister to be Mm. able to do even more. And actually, what we've got to do is make sure we work together to make sure that the markets remain functioning and stable. Uh, We've got to make sure that we coordinate with our allies, including the United States of America. The reason I'm here partly is obviously to see uh, Secretary Yellen, Mm -hmm. uh, but also in New York to see the Banks. Uh, we haven't had a Chancellor in New York for a couple of years now seeing the banks. We have a real opportunity. We've just introduced the Financial Services Bill into Parliament, which helps us take advantage of the Brexit opportunities. The UK economy is pretty resilient. If you look at where we are, unemployment is at a record low. About 75% of people have got a fixed mortgage, but we have to keep an eye on that. Because yeah. obviously, as those
3: Are you worried about the in, housing market? Uh,
1: of course we are, and, and we're not complacent. Uh, mm. The banks are pretty well capitalised. So we have a resilient economy, but at the same time we've seen gas prices increase by you know, 13-fold.
2: Yeah, let's just put that into perspective for a global audience. We are now looking at what was sub-2,000 pounds in general, average for energy bills going up to above three and a, three, three and a half. Three and a half thousand.
5: That's
2: right. So £400, as you say, helps knock off that half amount of the increase. But this is still a consumer that is feeling incredibly painful. They're looking at the EU saying we're promising emergency aid for you right now, the electricity prices, the power prices in Germany, France. How frustrated are you that you can't announce anything now because you are in this interim
4: stage waiting for a new leader?
1: Well, I did two things when I entered the Treasury on the 5th of July. One was to say, where are we on the £37 that we've already announced? my mm-hmm. predecessor Richard Sinek had announced and we are midway through that you mentioned the 400 pounds for every household we've got the second tranche of the 650 pounds to the 8 million most vulnerable households that's mm. also going to come through if you're a pensioner you get another 300 pounds if you're disabled you get another 150 pounds so there's a lot to come
4: mm-hmm.
1: for those households that really need that have got no cushion at all but i also the moment i walked in instructed my leadership team to say look we know Putin going to continue to use this. We have to be able to withstand that pressure and send a message back to Mr. Putin that this is not going to work. Therefore, we have to look at every option, mm-hmm. at what more we need to do come December and January and then obviously into next year. Mm-hmm. And we're working up all the options. So nothing is off the table.
2: So that was the Chancellor of the Exchequer, Nadim Zahawi, speaking there. His stint as Chancellor may be short-lived, though. Business Secretary Kwasi Kwarteng strongly tipped by Tory insiders, actually, to be Liz
4: Truss's Chancellor. We find out if indeed it is Liz Truss's leader on the 5th of September. I wonder whether Zahawi now regrets taking that job in Boris Johnson's cabinet the day before he resigned and indeed uh, asking Boris Johnson to resign. I wonder whether he thinks that stopped him getting the top job.
2: Yeah, we'll be back same time tomorrow. This. Is is Bloomberg UK Politics.
1: Bloomberg UK Politics. Listen weekdays at noon on DAB Digital Radio in London.